Well, good morning. It is a delight to see you again and worship with you. I've been praying this week that uh, God, who is our defender and our shield and our protector, would arm us this morning and equip us for every battle, that we might not fall for Satan's schemes and that we might stand firm in our faith. So as we go ahead to do that, go ahead today, may God work in his word. So please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. This is Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Hear God's word. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the, of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the, both of, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Let's pray. Father, ready our hearts to receive your word. We pray that you would make us believe it. We pray that you might equip us for the battle set before us. We pray that you would make us careful guardians of our souls and the souls of our brothers and sisters. We ask now that you would unearth sin in our hearts, show us where we have been duped, and bring the healing balm of the gospel, we pray. Do this for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by reading two stanzas from Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, many of you love that hymn. I love that hymn. There's this kind of encouraging biblical courageousness that's built into the lyrics and into the tune. But when I read these two stanzas this morning, I want you to concentrate on what Luther said about the prince of darkness, what he said about Satan. Here are the two stanzas. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, but we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Luther tells us that this prince of darkness is grim, that 
His craftiness is great, that he's armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. But Luther also tells us this, that this ancient foe seeks to work us woe. In other words, Satan is trying to bring misery and heartbreak and anguish upon the lives of God's people. And yet, are we attentive to this? Can we see his work? Can we identify it? Our thoughts about Satan seem to be very misguided. On the one hand, some of you sometimes, or maybe as a pattern, seem to live your life as if Satan doesn't exist. But the Apostle Peter says that, Peter, that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The scriptures say that Satan accuses us and he tempts us and he deceives us. On the other hand, some of you are attributing to Satan all kinds of work that he's not doing. Every time there's some sort of suffering or some sort of frustration, we see Satan working. But the scriptures say that, we, we need to remember things like this, that the scriptures said that it's God who brought the curse. You will eat from, by, the, by pain you will eat, from the sweat of your brow you will eat, and to the dust you will return. And God in his justice needs to get the credit for that, not Satan. Furthermore, our own sin and the sins of everyone in the world is working without Satan. But however misguided our thoughts might be about Satan, I want to concentrate this morning on the main way that Satan works. He lies. He deceives. And when Moses wrote the book of Genesis, he, did not, he wanted his Israelite brothers and sisters to guard, be able to guard themselves against Satan's work. And so he did not want them to live in misery. And so he recorded in the opening books, book of Genesis, in the opening chapters of Genesis, how Satan works. Satan lied to our first parents about God and his word. Satan lied to our first parents about themselves. And Satan lied to our first parents about the world around them. And this is what he does with you. He lies to you about God and his word. He lies to you about yourself, and he lies to you about God's world. And I, too, do not want to see us live in, in misery for our own good and for the glory of God. And because Satan is such a liar, we need to be able to guard ourselves against him. And so first, Satan lies about God and his word. Right from the beginning, you can see in this passage that Satan is a liar. He comes to Eve pretending to be a messenger from, from God, and he actually entices Eve to, to doubt God. He rephrases God's command into a question, putting in the mind of Eve that she should doubt exactly how should I interpret that command from God. Satan emphasizes to Eve that God hasn't given you a blessing. Look at what he told you not to do. God had given the Adam and Eve this rich and beautiful garden to be in. And Satan said, look, look what God told you not to do. Took her eyes off the blessing. Additionally, Satan came and he, he misrepresented, cast doubts on God's sincerity and his motives. Saying to Eve, you know what, God, when you eat from that tree, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. Telling Eve that what, what, you're, what God was really doing is restricting her full humanity. You know, God is just restricting you. And he cast doubt on, in Eve's mind about, about God's intentions. 
And Satan outrightly lies about God's word. Did God say it? So Satan deceives Eve by lying about God and his world, about his word. As part of my schooling, I had to read and study the development and analysis of liberal theology. And I had to read not only secondary sources, but I've had to read primary sources, sources, uh, works written by liberal theologians. And it's been some of the most painful things I've had to read. In liberal theology, liberal theologians take every systematic category, whatever it is, in the scriptures, whether it's the doctrine of God proper, whether it's Jesus Christ, whether it's the church and the word of God, and they take these doctrines and they strip them of their biblical meaning and reload them with whatever they want. And in the end, God is not who God is. Jesus is not who Jesus is. The word of God is not what the word of God is. The church is not what the church is. J. Gresham Macon wrote a book called Christianity and Liberalism, showing that these are actually two different religions. But this is Satan's work. This is one of his schemes. That's the way he likes to work. He likes to keep all the names and reload them with different concepts. And through liberal theologians, he has caused much damage and misery among the church. You can actually drive by his work in the city when you pass by the dead churches. Satan is brutal, he's barbarous, and he's bloodthirsty for the church. And he wants to deceive us by lying about God and his word. But see, he also wants to cause trouble deep down inside your heart. He wants you to have wrong beliefs about God and wrong beliefs about his word. Now think about this. You have all kinds of wrong beliefs every day. Beliefs that you can easily get rid of. You walk down the hallway, you open the closet door, you go to get the vacuum, it's not there. Oh yeah, it's over by the washing machine. You take the belief that the vacuum cleaner's in the closet, you throw it out the window, get on with your life, a negligible effect. No problem. And that's because you have beliefs that are on the periphery of your belief system that can be wrong and exchanged for right ones very easily. But see, Satan knows you're a Christian, and he's not too much interested in those kind of beliefs. He wants to get a belief set at the very core of your belief system, beliefs about God, and beliefs about the Word of God, and that's where he wants to mess you up. He wants to take your concept of God, strip it of its meaning, and reload it with whatever he wants. God is not good. Can't you see all the evil in the world? God is not sovereign. I mean, how can he control all this stuff? God is not loving. Wow, look at your sin. God, God is not immutable or changeable. You know what? Next week, he's going to change his mind, and he's going to stop loving you. Take every biblical doctrine. Revelation. He'd love to strip it and reload it with arrogance. Courage. Strip it. Reload it with stubbornness. Sabbath, strip it, reload it with sloth. I'm just resting. Every single thing. And he wants to get you these beliefs deep down in the core of your, of your being so that you integrate these into every part of your life. And he's going to cause as much collateral damage as possible. He's a calculated, cold warrior. And he wants to cause as much collateral damage as he can.
That's why he's a vicious foe. And that's why you need to guard yourself against him. But how do we guard ourselves? How do we guard ourselves? Well, we have to start by accepting that Satan exists. That Satan exists. Our, our God said that Satan exists. So we have to start there. But we also have to accept that he's a malicious liar. That he knows he's coming to, to lie to you and he has malicious intent. He knows he's lying. But also the scriptures are not calling us to walk around in paranoia and fear and complete suspicion of everything. So what do we do? Well, we listen to the apostles. We listen to Paul and we listen to Peter. What did they tell us to do? Learn his schemes and become circumspect. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that we, we need to guard ourselves and not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. And that's what we've been trying to do this morning. Just look at one of his schemes. There's more, but he likes to keep all these names, reload them with diff, diff, uh, different concepts, and plant them in our heart. So we need to become aware of his schemes. And Paul says we need to do that so that we are not outwitted by him. But Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, adds this. We need to be sober-minded and watchful, careful guardians over our souls. And that's how we begin to guard ourselves. We, we learn how Satan works and we become sober-minded. Now, we're going to learn other ways how we should guard ourselves. But we need to remember this. In order to lessen any kind of fears or wrong emotions that we might have, remember, we need to remember this. We need to remember God. God is guarding us. Just like in Job, Satan has to go to, to God first in order to do any of anything. And so he has to get God's permission. And God knows what you, how you can be tried and what you can stand. He will not let you be tried beyond what you can bear. If we submit to Satan's schemes, it's our problem. But God will not let you be tried beyond what you can bear. God is in the background and in the foreground battling the principalities and powers of darkness for you. And just like Martin Luther said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. God is guarding us. God is guarding us. So that's our first point. Satan lies about God and his word, and we need to learn how to protect ourselves. But Satan also lies, about, lies to you about you. And that's what he did in the garden. Satan came to Eve and he planted deceptive thoughts in her mind about who she was. Look at verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan was telling her, you can be God. He promised her divinity. Good and evil, well, don't worry about that. You'll know that yourself because you will be God. On a relational level, Satan lies to her. Eve had this servant-lord relationship with God. God's her Lord. She is, her, uh, she is his servant. And Satan says, no, what's going to happen here is you're going to have a Lord-Lord relationship. So he's lying to her about her whole being. You're not finite, you're not independent, you're not, you're, you're not limited. You can be God. 
So he lies to her about her. Now, at one time, we've all experienced a surprise birthday party, if not for yourself, for someone else. And you know, there's all this kind of scheming that has to go on in the background, right? There's, you know, questions are evaded, or maybe you've got a secret chat going so nobody blows it. But if it's going to be done well, the guest of honor always needs to be told some white lies. I mean, if you don't say anything, they're going to figure out, well, something's going on. But there is that moment of time where you, you, you tell them these white lies, and they think some, one thing's going on, and it's actually another. And of course, it's all amusing when it works out. There's the reveal. They walk through the door. Surprise! Well, I want you to enter into the mind of the guest of honor. I want you to think what's going on just before the reveal. Now, I know this is all done innocently, and you, know, you, do, you don't have the person's harm in mind, you have their good in mind. But there is that segment of time in there when they think one thing is going on when it's actually another. And that's what happened with Eve. Satan deceived her. And she thought one thing was going on when it was actually another. She believed it. Well, when Satan comes to us, and seeks to deceive us. How are we going to guard ourselves? What, what, is, what is fodder for him right now in our era to come and tempt us with? You're not a man. I mean, it doesn't matter what your chromosomes say. You're a woman. I mean, can't you feel it? And there's an affirmation center right down the road there, and they can help you with that. And God says, no, I choose gender. You're an old, washed-up Christian. I mean, just go look in the mirror. Look at all those wrinkles. I mean, I mean what's God going to do with you? You're useless now. Haven't you heard of medical assistance in death? I mean, just go do that and get it over with. But God said, every one of my children, from young to old, are meaningful and have a place in the body. And furthermore, I take death, not you. Well, how are you going to guard yourselves against anything Satan comes to you and says? You're not a Christian. Look at all the sin in your life. God knows all. Look at you. Look at all those thoughts you have. Why don't you just go be a thief? Why don't you do that? God's not watching, convincing you that God, God's not looking at you. God can't see. And on and on and on and on. Well, what are we going to do? Well, let's say you're, let's go back to our party guest. Say you're at that time when the lies start coming. But these are not white lies. Satan is here. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to build on what we've learned so far, what the apostles said. That you walk circumspectly, right? Say you're walking circumspectly. You're, you're, you're guarding yourself. You're not paranoid. You're kind of like, you know, you're at the play, play structure with your kids and, you know, something's possible. There could be danger, but you're not paranoid, okay? 
But now you see one of Satan's schemes coming because you've been studying and thinking through how he's going to work. What do you do now? Well, the Apostle Paul said, you need to get your battle gear on. You need to get your battle gear on. Nobody said the Christian life is going to be easy, and it's not going to be easy. And Paul said we need a special set of weapons, and we need a special set of armor, because we're going against the spiritual forces of darkness. He said you get that belt of, belt of truth. Satan, I can see you, you, you're lying. You've, you've set the bait, but you hid the hook. But I can see through those false promises. You get on your breastplate of righteousness. My God has declared that I am righteous in Christ, and he's called me to a life of holiness, not that filth. And you get on your, your war boots of the gospel, the, the feet of the, 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 the boots of the gospel of peace. You're not going to tell me that I'm not at peace with God because the, because the gospel is mine. Get on your shield of faith. I am not going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in my God. And you get on your helmet of salvation, and you are not going to tell me that I'm not a Christian because I've made my calling and election sure. You get the word of God. You get the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And you bring everything you can against him. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. Because you do not need only the armor of God, you need the armor that is God. God, come and fight for me. God, come and fight for me. Fight this battle for me. And then what happens? What does James say? You have submitted yourself to God. You have resisted the devil. And he has fled from you. That's how we guard ourselves. But we also need to guard ourselves from further hurt if we've already been deceived. Let's say that something, some part of your life, you're, you're, you're like our, our party guests, where you actually think one thing is going on when there's another, and you're duped. What do you do then? Well, how do we, how do, how do we start healing in other places? Well, you do the same thing. You stick up your hand and say, hi, my name's Joe, I'm an addict. And here you stick up your hand and say, hi, my name is, you fill your name in and say, I'm capable of being deceived. And then when, once we finish that, we have to come to grips with this. We don't know when we're deceived. That's why it's called deception. Well, how do you get out of that? Well, God has to hold a reveal for you. And it's not the same kind of surprise. It's more like what Sinclair Ferguson said, that God loving you and caring for you, as a careful surgeon, he brings his scalpel, the two-edged sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he comes and he cuts you open. But he's careful, he loves you. And he opens up your flesh, and you look in, and he looks in to see the cancer of sin. It's that kind of reveal party. I mean, that's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? He held a reveal for them. They found out they're naked. Shame and guilt 
hiding from God, alienation from God. You know when it says in this narrative that God came to, to visit Adam and he came in the cool of the day, that's probably not the best translation of that. This is a better translation. He came in the wind of the storm. It's a storm theophany. What have you done? And that's what God does with us. God holds a reveal for us. Maybe it's the preaching of the word, through the preaching of the word. Maybe a friend comes to you. Maybe this is what he does. He's done this to me. He wakes you up in the middle of the night with a verse, and he presses it on your soul, and he holds it there and does not let it go. And he keeps pressing it there and holding it there and reveals your sin. And you feel it. The light is shining in the darkness. What did I do? How did I get that duped? Oh, the consequences that could have come. But of course, that's not the end of the party. Like Sinclair Ferguson said, God takes the scalpel, he excises the, the cancer, closes you back up, sews you back up, and puts on the healing balm of the gospel. And why can that be done? Because Christ has crushed the head of the serpent for you. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. That's how we guard ourselves when we've already been duped. The word of God must come and search our hearts for the deception. Now, I want to say this. None of us, including myself, are going to do this perfectly. We're going to try to stumble and bumble through trying how to guard ourselves. And we're, whatever, however we're going to approach this, we need to be able to grow in it, though. We need to become better at it. And what I'm doing this morning is I'm setting forth the model about what we need to attain to. But know this, God is on your side. He's helping you. So that's our second point. Satan seeks to, we saw that Satan seeks to lie about God and his word. He seeks to lie about us, and we need to guard ourselves. But Satan also seeks to lie to you about the world around you. That's what he did with Eve. Remember God came in the garden and said, you see that tree over there? This is what that tree means. And Satan came and said, no, 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 no. This is what that tree means. Well, what did God say about that tree? He said, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what does that mean? The best explanation I've heard for that is it's a merism. Now, a merism. Now, you may not heard of that term before, but you know what it is. A merism is when you take two or more contrasting concepts and you use them to describe the entirety of something. So God has removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. So two contrasting concepts is representing all of sin. And here, good and evil is representing all moral knowledge. All, the whole spectrum from good to evil, all moral knowledge. And all of this knowledge is wrapped up and being expressed in this situation with the tree. God provided a concrete situation where all good knowledge was known by obeying him and all evil knowledge, moral knowledge, was known by 
disobedience. So he created this concrete situation for Adam and Eve to know where all moral knowledge comes from. It comes from his voice. That's all you need to do is listen to him. And of course they didn't. God said, when you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And God says, see that tree over there? That's what that means. And then Satan comes along and says, no, I'll tell you what that tree is. I'll give you an alternate view. When you eat from that tree, you're surely not going to die. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil. And so Satan gives this alternate view of the tree. He lies to Adam and Eve, or lies to Eve about the world outside her. Now, you have this kind of dilemma going on every day, trying to figure out the world around you, right? You pull up this news feed, here's a clip, here's a picture, and the voice comes, that's what you're looking at. Then you pull up the next news feed, next site, next app, same picture, same clip, nope, that's what, that, that's what that is, an alternate view. And then you can go a third one and say, no, that, that's what that is. So how do you figure out what's going on in the world outside you? I mean, what do you do? Well, what did Satan, how did Satan lie to Eve about the world outside her? What did he do? Now remember, he's going for the jugular. He hates God, and he wants to alienate Eve from God. What did he do? Well, he subtly implanted in the mind of Eve that she is an autonomous being. She can decide for herself the meaning of the outside world. Now, that's something that's often overlooked. Like, how many voices are here in this situation? Well, there's three, right? There's God's voice, there's Satan's voice, but there's Eve's voice. Satan said, you can decide for yourself. There's God's opinion, there's Satan's opinion, and there's your opinion. And that's what she did. She heard God's opinion, she heard Satan's opinion, and then she expressed her own. You know, I see that tree, it's good for food, it's a delight to the eyes, it's going to make me wise. She saw herself as an independent, autonomous being. And that, my friends, right there, is the fall of mankind. That was the deception followed through in disobedience, eating of the fruit. Satan went for the jugular, and he severed it, and he alienated Eve from God. But what about you? How, do you, how are you guarding yourself? Satan comes along and says, you're an autonomous being. You can just figure it all out by yourself. What's the scriptures tell us we should do? Well, I know this sounds like a Sunday school answer, but Jesus is Lord. That's the answer. Jesus is Lord. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus has restored you to a childlike relationship with your Heavenly Father where you look to Him and He tells you what's going on in the outside world. The fact that Jesus is your Lord means this. Jesus is your Lord does not mean just Jesus is telling you what to think. He's telling you how to think. He is the Lord of your mind, the Lord of your emotions, the Lord of your will, the Lord of your conscience, the Lord of all of you. You are not your own. You are His. 
You were a slave to Satan, now you're a slave to God. And it's all good because he created you. He knows how you work. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, take every thought captive to Christ. And here Christ is saying, just listen to me and I'll tell you to understand the outside world. But can you feel the tension? Can you feel the tension deep in the core of your soul? I am my own boss. I am the boss of me. Do you think Satan's never deceived you and duped you? Did God just cut you open? Don't run, don't hide. Come to him. Confess your sin. You bring the healing balm of the gospel. I'm sorry you're forgiven. But friends, we need to remember this. The left has their biases and the right has their biases. But just like Eve, you have your biases. And this is the way the whole Christian life is lived out. That God has his biases and they're all good. And you live your Christian life like this. You look to God, you adopt his biases to correct your biases. And you start living your life. You go learn a little about the world, you learn a little about your mind. You look at God's word, you look at your mind, you look at the world, you keep looking back and forth. And in that whole mix, we have to remember this, that it's God's mind that's authoritative, not your mind. And that's all good. Jesus is your Lord. And that's how you guard yourself against Satan when he lies to you about the outside world. You renounce your autonomy. That's our third point. Satan lies to you about God and his word. Satan lies to you about you and he lies to you about the world. And we need to guard ourselves. And as we finish up here this morning, it is my desire for the glory of God and your good that we guard ourselves against Satan's work. Carefully watching over our souls, learning his ways, putting on our battle gear, having our hearts searched by the word of God and renouncing our autonomy. But I also want us to take courage. Jesus perfectly guarded himself against Satan and he did that for you. And now you are tethered to him and cannot be untethered or unhinged. That's where your security lies. And Jesus, by his death and resurrection, defeated Satan. And God will soon crush him under your feet. And God has planned an eternal fire for Satan. But he has planned an eternal bliss for you. And on our way there, we must fight this battle. We must guard ourselves. And we're going to have battle scars. And you're going to have to pick your brothers and sisters up off the battlefield. You're going to have to bandage them up. And you're going to limp once in a while. But we will get there. So as we leave to enter the fray, let me rehearse our battle cry. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. 
And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, our God has willed, our God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. For lo, sorry, his rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Let's pray. Dear God, you have provided us with everything we need for our salvation as we go in this battle. You are a defender, you are a shield. Come now, we pray, and help us in this battle along the way. We thank you that in Christ we have all of we, all of what we need. We are secure in you, but we need to do this battle before we get home to be with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.